I'm Sinead O'Moore, and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises, and the fears, the moments that form us, and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about. Which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water, and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. This week, I want to learn all about why as women, we need to take better care of our pelvic health with specialist physiotherapist, Helen Keeble. Now based in Dublin, Helen is leading the way in pelvic floor education. She was an official physiotherapist at the London 2012 Olympics and has been providing postgraduate tutoring for pelvic, obstetric and gynecological physiotherapy. Recorded just before the birth of her first baby, Helen now understands the science and the real experience of carrying a baby, of putting her own pelvic floor to the test and shares with us her most recommended techniques and practices to help her stay strong and recover post-birth. From urinary incontinence to diastasis, prolapse and perineum massage, here, Helen shares her expert advice on it all. Helen, thank you so much for coming on Every Mum the Podcast with me, especially as you are so close to birth. How many weeks have you left? Oh, thanks for having me, Sinead. I am 37 weeks in two days' time. <laughs> so really, so what's that, 23 days left? Yeah, yeah. Although I'm really trying to not remember the due date. So I'm trying to remember like the due period of the few weeks, but who knows? You know, I could have five weeks left. I could have two days left. It's scary and exciting all at the same time. <laughs> the unknown about when they'll arrive is... So it's it's hard. It's as you said, you're trying not to remember the due date, but it's very hard not to focus on that date. I know because everybody wants to know it as well. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no. Now, like when my friends and family ask, I'm like, sometime around late September, early October. But yeah, it's tricky. And then obviously, well, pre-COVID times, I would have been so organised and have so much in the diary and be so planned. Um, and I guess. Well, being through COVID, well, going through COVID has taught me to plan less ahead, but I still would be very much a planner. So not knowing the date is like, (laughs) it's a learning curve for my brain. (laughs) It's the first time that you realise that you don't actually have any control over this human. No. (laughs) They will do what they want, when they want, for the rest of their lives. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) But how have you experienced pregnancy? How has it, how has it treated you? 
Yeah, it's, well, it's, I would say generally at this stage, it's been good. But then looking back, it's completely not the pregnancy that I had imagined. Um, so naively, you know, I had just kind of imagined because I was fit and healthy and well that my pregnancy would be straightforward. And luckily, to be fair, in the end, it has turned out fine. Um, but at about 11 weeks, when I had my booking appointment, they found out that I had a really short cervix. So when I was 25 and had my first smear test, I had some abnormal cells detected. So I went in, had a colposcopy. Long story short, they had to actually take away some of my cervix for treatment for these cells. And she said at the time, the doctor said at the time that I'd always be at risk of kind of premature labor or miscarriage. And, you know, at 25, I was thinking, well, I was not thinking about babies <laughs> at that point. Um, but of course, that comment just always stuck in my head. So it was quite worrying is one of the words, I guess, that I felt. But at like such an early stage to be told that from then on, I would be high risk. Um, so, you know, and it was obviously during lockdown, this was all happening. So I was kind of on my own and having to go to these appointments on my own and stuff, which has been like fine, but like not, I guess, what I would want in an ideal situation. Um, but then luckily the pregnancy has been fine it was progressing and I went for my fortnightly checkups where they checked my cervix and it luckily stayed put and didn't change at all which was really good um so yeah it's been a roller coaster I'm originally from the UK so also not being able to see like any of my friends and family for my entire pregnancy has been again just another thing I just never would have envisaged or imagined you know it's really it's just a bit of an odd situation because obviously I'm grateful that everybody is well and everything is good. It, it's just that kind of, I don't know, that kind of counter thought of, oh, but I really miss everybody. And, you know, I'd wish I could see them and everything else, but everyone is healthy and well, which is of course the main thing. Um, but it's just been mad. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's okay. I think to, you know, to say that you miss what you thought you'd have yeah and being pregnant and even the, the physical changes of your body being pointed out and loved by you know your friends and family who only get to see you pregnant for such a short window being taken from you that's really hard this is it exactly and of course being my first pregnancy you know there's just so much unknown anyway and so much newness and so much, yeah, that you're learning about yourself and so much changes and yeah, it's been a mad time. I do really feel for my poor husband because he has been great, but I've obviously had to put on him a lot, lot more in terms of like support and everything else than I would have done. Um, but he's been great, but I just wish I could kind of share the burden, you know, in terms of obviously there's Zoom and there's WhatsApp and there's phone calls, of course um but yeah it's been as you say like you're meant to have your little support network and people around you so but that will come I'm sure like meeting other pregnant women at different classes and talking about things with these strangers that are quite personal but all of a sudden they become your lifeline um and I yeah it's it's so important that that interaction continues because especially for you you've built quite you know, a really impressive and successful career around supporting 
women. So knowing what you've known as a professional, <laughs> how has it compared with the physical experience of pregnancy? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been eye-opening seeing it from this side because I've obviously worked with pregnant women for so many years and, you know, you can obviously know all the theory and know all the advice and all the latest research and be helping and guiding women through their own pregnancies. Um, but going through it myself has been, it's been fab. Just It has really been eye-opening to see it from this side as well. Um, and I guess it just makes me realise <laughs> The first trimester, and I know not everybody's the same, but it was the absolute pit in terms of like nausea and fatigue and oh my goodness. I wasn't actually sick once. I didn't actually vomit, but the feeling of being on the edge of thinking you're going to vomit any second now, 24-7 for like weeks and weeks was just horrific. I almost wish I was sick. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, I kind of think it, like somehow that would help relieve the nausea because the nausea was so bad. Um, so I think just, yeah, like the first trimester definitely was like, okay, wow, like these poor ladies that come in who tell me they've been sick. And, you know, of course I'm listening and, you know, making notes and everything else. And, but I never quite realized before just the extent of which it can just be so consuming. Um, and I would normally love being, well, I still do love being active and fit and exercise and, you know, on a good week, I'd kind of get to the gym about five times a week. Um, but just having to really let go of my normal routines in terms of movement and activity, um, like literally there were weeks where if I made it for a walk around the park here, which would be about a 20 minute walk, that was a good day. <laughs> it was like, and that compared to what I normally would kind of have in my mindset or my routine was just so reduced. Um, and you know, just little things, just like what you're eating. So normally I'd be mostly good, maybe 70% good, 30% not so good with my diet. Um, but yeah, just being like stripped back to like deep fried beige. <laughs> that was all I fancied. And you know, again, like I'd normally be quite within reason, like I still love chocolate, but you know, if I had like pizza and burger and whatever at the weekend, then I'd be like, right, no, in the week I'll be a bit better. And, but yeah, no, just kind of letting go, I guess, of any preconceptions that I'd had before. Mm. Um, and just now having such a deeper understanding of all the women that come into me that say, you know, say all these things, it's just like, it's mad. And I'm sure like many women, I had this vision again of like, nourishing my baby you know like nothing but vegetables <laughs> and you know like a really well balanced diet but anyway not to mention obviously the cocktails before I found out I was actually pregnant you kind of think oh god <laughs> all of these things that anyway what can you do I'm sure I'm not the last and I won't be the first <laughs> definitely not and it's important you know as you said like yes it's important to keep up as you, as you know, you know the benefits of keeping up physical exercise. You know, we all know the benefits of eating nutritiously, but also like to, to, to give ourselves a break from that negative cycle in our head that's beating ourselves up over, you know, if all you can do is that 20 minute walk, that's enough. Exactly. And actually what you need to do is honor yourself by listening to what your body needs and and trying to give it that so if your body's saying stop after 20 minutes then that's the right thing to do 
this is it exactly and I think yeah what you said there is kind of nail on the head actually listening to your body because yeah like I think this is probably the first time I've properly tuned in to listen to my body in terms of like what it wants from a food and a drink and a movement point of view because I would normally have gone on no exercise is good for you you have to do it five times a week you know like I'd kind of just even if I was a bit tired or feeling a bit not up for it I would still always get myself to the gym and to be fair I love it when I'm there so that obviously makes it easier um but now actually listening to what my body wants rather than thinking okay no this is what we should be doing and you know it's really been I really like that aspect of it actually it's kind of really been a big learning curve to actually see what my body's trying to tell me <laughs> let's just be a little bit especially in pregnancy be as kind to yourself as possible because your body is growing a human from inside you talk to me though about how important it is to tune in and listen to your body when it comes to your pelvic strength yes so it is really 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 important um and i guess like with pelvic strength we could think about the pelvis itself kind of from an overall structure so like kind of our pelvic joints and any pelvic girdly type stuff um because i definitely found that when i love to walk and especially with lockdown like the walk per day became obviously like the highlight <laughs> um so i would be walking quite a lot but i found that as my pregnancy has progressed and i i you know i still am quite fit and active that actually i can't walk as fast i can't walk as far because my pelvis just I can just kind of feel the changes happening. You know, I can feel that there's a bit more pressure happening. There's a bit of pain and twinges in my pelvic joints. So I know a lot of women that I've seen as well over the years would have pelvic girdle pain. So we could think of pelvic strength in that sense, kind of like an overall extrinsic strength. And a um, structural, at a structural level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like appreciating that the pelvis is kind of like the connector between the legs and the upper body. Um, but and also the supporter and the protector of you know our organs and the baby that's kind of growing in and then just above the pelvis um, but also really importantly of course would then be the internal strength of our pelvis um, so by that I would more so be referring to our pelvic floor muscles which I'm sure every listener would definitely have at least heard of by now I hope so <laughs> Um, but it's okay if you haven't because there's still plenty of women that I meet that haven't um, and from a pelvic floor muscle point of view well like the name tells us they sit at the bottom of the pelvis and they're mostly internal muscles actually so you can't really see them from the outside and if you're trying to strengthen your pelvic floor muscles then you'll feel most of the movement on the inside as well and they are just so so crucial they're like the unsung superheroes of the body <laughs> because they just have such important functions to do that when they're working really well we don't think about them I, I guess like any muscle you know if you can climb the stairs it means your legs are working well if you can pick up the glass of wine your arm muscles are working well you know we don't think about our muscles unless there's a problem and the same would be for the pelvic floor. So if we have any weakness or tension or trouble with the pelvic floor muscles, then we'd know about it by changes in our bladder or our bowel control and habits or with sexual function. So they're really important muscles. 
And during pregnancy, we're all meant to be doing some pelvic floor squeezes every day. So I don't know how many are you doing, Sinead? Uh, not daily. <laughs> not daily. Um, I have I've always done Pilates, and like that's just been, I suppose, my not just in pregnancy. I mean, for years, like it's it, it is sort of my physical non-negotiable because I had back surgery a few years ago. So I have been introduced to the 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 value, I suppose, of maintaining your pelvic floor muscles, um, and. I probably did them quite a bit on my first pregnancy, but and had, I'd like to say, quite a positive labor experience. Now, I'm not going to say that that's down to pelvic floor strength um, and pelvic floor recovery after birth. But since becoming quite heavily pregnant now, I see how much damage that first pregnancy must have done because mm-hmm. quite early on in the pregnancy, second time round I'm like I really need to go mm. to the toilet I really need to wee and both my babies have have grown very deep very low very heavy I don't have a high sitting bump I don't get heartburn um I don't have it up in my abdomen they're both very they were both very very low but I've so recognized and as you said there about um you know, the, the, the COVID walk being yeah. your mental health in, in the day. But I was freaking out over where I could access a toilet when it was proper lockdown because I'd walk for three or four minutes after leaving the house and I'd be like, I have to turn around again. I have to go back. So, and I, I know I'm not alone on that. And that's why I think this conversation is so important because we are given a fountain of knowledge when it comes to what we should do for our bodies and our babies in pregnancy. Um, But I still feel like this topic isn't known enough about. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're so right when you're saying that you're not alone because even in the first trimester, so even in those early weeks of pregnancy, our uterus has already began to expand So normally our uterus is sitting in the pelvis with the bladder. So even when, you know, the bump isn't really showing yet, there's still already excess pressure on the the poor bladder. (laughs) Um, So I would see a lot of ladies who would be kind of earlier on without a bump and they would be telling me the same thing. Like, why do I need to go to the toilet so often already? You know, like, is this a sign of things to come? And so it's, you know, and then obviously the more you progress, then you do have the extra weight then pushing on the bladder and the pelvic floor. So, and I don't know about you, but well, the night before last, I woke up in the morning and I'd only got up once for a wee mm. and it literally felt like heaven. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I've only got up once for a wee. This like, the, And I, I generally can't remember the last time it was only once, you know, normally it's anything between one to four times per night. And you're just like, oh God. It's constant and it's even like before I you know when when you when you're downstairs watching tv and you decide right okay it's time for bed like I might have a wee downstairs by the time I've gotten to the bedroom I have to go again I haven't even gotten into bed yet like it's constantly and it's a it's becoming a real like if we're going out I need to know where the pit stops are yeah um so I am conscious of making sure that and the other thing to say is you know your the hormones are creating 
faster kidney function, you know, so it's not always just a physical thing. There's the hormonal influence as well, but I'm conscious of how performing pelvic floor muscles correctly will help the situation. Um, Because what I don't want is for this to continue post birth. I want things to return to normal as quickly as possible. Yeah, exactly. And that is where pelvic floor squeezes do really come in. So like a really simple way to think about your pelvic floor is a bit like a trap door to all of our holes. So put really simply, if we need to go for a wee, is your trap door holding in the right way? And is it strong enough? And is it holding for long enough to get you to the toilet in time? Um, so that's why in clinic with the ladies that I see when I'm testing their pelvic floor muscles, the aim more or less for everybody is to be able to get to holding your pelvic floor for 10 seconds and also in standing. So like a lot of ladies I would see would be quite good doing their squeeze in lying or sitting if they're in the car or at traffic lights, things like that I hear all the time. But the piece that people often miss out, which is a really crucial piece, is actually doing them all in standing. And tell me though, when you say doing, I think it's really important Mm -hmm. for people listening. When you say doing, what physically are we doing? So let's all do one together now, because I think that's just like an easy way if we just have a go. So the first thing to get comfortable, basically, so either sit down or lie down. Standing is hardest, but you could give it a go. And if you can't feel anything, then you can move to sitting or lying. Um, But the best thing first is to take a really big breath in and out because our diaphragm is attached to the pelvic floor. So if we do that breath in and out, it just helps to reset everything. So take a big breath in. Breathe out. And then what we now need to do is activate the pelvic floor. And this has been given about 75 different names. (laughs) So activating, contracting, squeezing, lifting, Kegels, it's all exactly the same thing. So no matter what you hear, everybody, everybody is referring to this one movement. And it's been shown that if we try and focus our effort on the back passage, then that is a far better way to get a very good squeeze to go. So trying to imagine that you're stopping urine is really outdated now. So anyway, where were we? So we were comfortable. (laughs) We've taken our big breath in and out. And then, so what you need to do now is you need to tighten and lift from the back passage as if you're stopping wind, and then you let it go again. So with the tightening and the lifting, it's a small movement like the actual if you were to actually kind of look at what your muscle is doing it's only moving by a few centimeters if that so the actual movement itself it is quite subtle and the muscles aren't very big so you shouldn't be able to really see anything happening either it should just be that subtle internal lifting up and then when you let go it should um like you should be able to feel like the release back down again so that would be a pelvic floor squeeze or whatever we're going to call it. Mm. And in order to do a 10 second hold that I was just talking about in standing, it's exactly the same thing. So you take your big breath in and out, 
tighten and lift from the back passage like you're trying to stop wind but this time you now try and hold it for 10 seconds before you let go so the first one was a short one the 10 second hold would be a long one and ideally we should be doing a mixture of those each day especially during pregnancy and in that postnatal period once we've had our baby but yeah that's that's it in a nutshell <laughs> what is each of them doing so the short ones versus the long hold ones how are they individually benefiting or is it just that the combination of both is optimum yeah no they do both have different really crucial benefits so the short ones are really increasing the power of our pelvic floor and the shorter reactions so like for example when we cough or sneeze or lift something or lift someone the pelvic floor should be able to kick in quickly just before that pressure happens and when it doesn't it's often when we leak like if we're coughing or exercising or something like that so the short ones really help that quick activation of power and the long holds are really important as well because they would be the ones that enable us to get to the toilet in time and kind of hold on basically whilst we're doing things but also really helping their general day-to-day -day function because the pelvic floor muscles have to work pretty much all the time anyway to stop mm. us from leaking so when we go for a wee or a poo the muscles are actually letting go so they're kind of relaxing so the pelvic floor muscles are always a little bit on to stop those things from happening all the time. So the longer holds also just help support that function of them as well. So what are you seeing in clinic? You know, when women are coming to you, what is mm -hmm. the most frequent initial conversation that you're having with them? Are there common reasons that women are coming to you? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I do actually also see very few, but a few men as well in my clinic with their pelvic floors. Um, but to be fair, my days are so, so varied, which is what I love in clinics. So I could see anything from, well, what's the most common thing? I would say probably prolapse or bladder leaks are the most common thing I see. Um, so talk to me about prolapse. Yeah, so a prolapse, is the name given to when one of the pelvic organs, so the bladder, the bowels, or the uterus, is sitting a bit lower than what it normally would have done. Um, so unless it's very severe, which is quite uncommon, um, like a prolapse isn't necessarily a permanent state. It's just a reflection of what's happening at that moment in time. Um, so a prolapse can be treated really well, really easily. It's in the national guidelines that the first thing we need to do is pelvic floor squeezes. So that's why I see a lot of them in clinic because nearly, well, everybody improves with a bit of physio or pelvic floor work. Um, it's just by how much, but there's lots of options available. Um, so yeah, mainly prolapse or bladder leaks. But then I would also see women after having had babies and they want to get their tummy muscles back together. Or I would see younger women who have never had babies before who might be finding it really hard to have sex comfortably. They've got a lot of tension in their pelvic floor. I would also see women pre-surgery or after surgery. So that would be for kind of like gynecological things like hysterectomy or endometriosis or pelvic floor repairs and a bit of everything really, which is what I love. Also bowel problems as well. So kind of 
in the same way that it's not always easy to control our bladder, exactly the same thing can happen to our bowels. So getting to the toilet in time or controlling wind, controlling stool. I also would be doing a lot of kind of scar work with ladies if they've had C-sections or maybe a perineal tear or an episiotomy scar or something like that. Everything really. <laughs> and that's a really common concern for women. Um, heading into birth and I suppose it's a really under-resourced injury as well like you know so many women have to have episiotomies so many women experience challenges in healing from episiotomies and there's more to the recovery than just the skin you know there's there's muscles that have been that have been severed and it's, I just think it's so valuable that women know that there are resources available to them to help them build back up towards that strength in a very safe way. This is it, exactly, exactly. Because an episiotomy is actually the equivalent to a second degree tear. And so a second degree tear involves the muscles as well as the skin. So completely healable, you know, and it, you know, it wouldn't, normally not ever have any long-term consequences of an episiotomy or a second degree tear as in we can make a full recovery from them but there are definitely things we can do to kind of speed up the process um and definitely scar massage like if anybody's done any perineal massage in in the build-up to giving birth then if you could do like a similar thing on your episiotomy or perineal tear or where the scar was so any time from about six weeks as long as it's fully healed um, then that helps massively with the healing process. And then, of course, because the tear or the episiotomy involves the pelvic floor muscle, it does mean temporarily that whilst that muscle is healing, we do lose a bit of strength because that's just a normal thing the body does. So when we have any kind of injury to a muscle, the body won't let you use it too much because then that will hinder recovery. Mm. So we have to wait for it to heal, which is normally anything up to about six weeks get some mobilization going so get it moving and then as in kind of a bit of massage but then also get it strong by doing those pelvic floor squeezes again so there's so many facets to needing to use it so whether it is just from a leaking whether it is just about strength and in holding your your baby the physical weight that's bearing down on it in pregnancy but then also in that postpartum recovery it sounds so valuable yeah definitely so and like a common um myth i guess that i would hear a lot is women that come in who have had c-sections and they'll believe that they don't have to do as many pelvic floor squeezes and whilst you know if you compare a c-section delivery to a long kind of a bit more of a traumatic physical vaginal mm. delivery in theory that yes there is less direct insult to the pelvic floor muscle with a c-section however we've still gone through pregnancy and mm. pregnancy itself can really weaken the pelvic floor so even if you've had a c-section pelvic floor squeezes are just still so important for just getting that strength back up again and ensuring you've had a full recovery on the other side and talk to me then about and i always mispronounce this but the the diastasis yeah. that right that was I always trip up on that word. Um, Because again, 
as our bumps grow, all of our muscles have to reposition in order and our organs have to reposition in order to allow this little human to develop. And of course, that means there's a whole lot of shifting going on. And sometimes we feel that in digestive pain, you know, or definitely after eating, you're just so uncomfortable because your stomach has such little room. But then the muscles keeping everything together are put out of place. So exercising throughout is always so challenging. And definitely the exercises that you probably did before are no longer serving you. They're actually working against you. And there's just so much learning around that as well in order to protect the diastasis. Yeah, definitely. And that was actually one thing that also took me by surprise because again, being a physio and for how long I've been doing it, I know that a diastasis is completely normal. There's no way that we can prevent it or that we should prevent it during pregnancy. Um, But for me, again, naively thinking, because I was so fit and active beforehand that I don't know. I just, I hadn't really consciously thought about it, but I realized when I could see coning happening in my tummy, what I thought was quite early on, like from about 16 to 18 weeks, that really surprised me. Cause I was thinking, Oh, you know, I'd kind of only really, even with all the experience that I had attributed, attributed it to ladies with bigger bumps. Because in clinic, that's typically what I would see. So if you have a bigger bump, then you'd have more of the coning evidence. Um, but it's, it really, really, really is nothing to fear during pregnancy. What we would say is if you can keep generally active, then that's really beneficial because it really helps to reduce the severity of it. So if you ever see kind of any coning or doming in your bump during pregnancy, which it's kind of well unless you've not paid attention it like it would happen to everybody so most commonly i don't know about you Sinead, but like if i'm lay, if i'm on the the sofa and then trying to stand up or in bed and trying to sit straight up which is a no go just <laughs> i've been able to do that for so long <laughs> no it's 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 more of a five point turn yeah <laughs> it's it's more like a lorry trying to move out of a cul-de-sac <laughs> And so that, but that is because our, well, obviously the, the bumps are getting bigger um, and the muscles are just at, at, a, at a disadvantage to enable us to just sit straight up. Um, or if you're lowering yourself down into a bath or something like that, then generally if you look down at those points when you're doing those movements, then you'll look down and your bump will look a bit more pointy, a bit like a giant Toblerone, you know, it has that like <laughs> point to the middle. So what we would nice, say, nice, nice confectionery reference, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> all about the chocolate. Always comes back to chocolate. Just imagine the chocolate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we would like, if you can see that Toblerone happening, then we don't want that happening really, really often. So that kind of would be the one piece of advice during pregnancy. So if you notice the coning or doming then whatever makes you do that, try not to do over and over and over and over again, because that is thought to increase the diastasis. Which is the stomach muscles separating, basically, because what's underneath is pushing through. Exactly, exactly. But then when you look at the anatomy of our tummy muscles, so if you look at 
I'm sure you can all hopefully imagine like in a textbook, if you cast your minds way back to school, and if you look at like the six pack muscle, then it has those lines in it. I don't actually, I'm drawing it out here, but obviously <laughs> nobody I can, can see what I'm doing. I can see it. Let's, <laughs> but, imagine, let's imagine Zac Efron and his six pack. Yeah, exactly. So you, and you can see that when you look at, especially someone like Zac, like his midline line and then the horizontal lines going across. Yeah. And so I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> actually from toe growing to six pack. Um, and so just by its very design like we all have that six pack muscle and those lines of ligaments I can, I can assure you I do not have it absolutely do it's in there and those that mid um, that middle vertical line and those horizontal lines that go across are in all of us and so by its very design the muscle is meant to give so it's much easier for our muscles um sorry for the ligament to stretch rather than muscle okay. so yeah and you're right the diastasis refers to the middle vertical line that stretches in our six-pack muscle that we definitely all have <laughs> and so the only time really when we want to pay a lot of attention to that middle vertical line or the diastasis as we call it is when we're about eight weeks after having had the baby mm. so a diastasis so that stretching of that middle vertical line is completely normal during pregnancy and completely normal for those first few weeks after having had the baby as well so the only time that we really need to get involved is from about eight weeks I don't expect anybody to become an expert in, in assessing their own tummy muscles. Um, and if you're ever in doubt, then just get on somebody who knows like a physio or a specially qualified personal trainer or somebody that can basically help you. Um, but if you think you still have one, get it checked out. And the most important thing to do is believe it or not, our pelvic floor squeezes. Okay, so not you. You'd think oh, I need to work on my abs. So you're thinking yeah. crunches and sit-ups, but actually, it comes back to the pelvic floor. It so many things come back to the pelvic floor. So when we've checked your pelvic floor and checked your diastasis, we do begin to layer on abdominal exercises. But to kind of go straight into crunches and sit-ups and things mm. would not be a just wouldn't really be advised without being checked first. Um, and if we can get our pelvic floor really strong again, so we're kind of always aiming really for that 10 second hold in standing and some of the short ones in standing. If you can do that really easily, then you know you've got a good baseline. But until that point, keep going with your pelvic floor and it will really help your tummy because it's all so connected. I want to ask then, so as you are heading towards the exciting arrival of your baby <laughs> in a few weeks time, and knowing what you know as an expert, what, what, are you, what are the postpartum essentials that you're going to do for you in order to bring you back up to strength? One thing I'm, going, one thing I'm doing now to really help postnatally is perineal massage. Like, and if anybody's not yet had their baby or watching this ahead of time, and if you have the time, then I would really, 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 really recommend doing perineal massage. Like the benefits of doing so are just, so so good you know it really reduces your risk of tearing and needing an episiotomy and having pain on the other side and 
yeah it's just it's another thing as well actually that I would always advise women to do but had never yeah. done it for myself before um so yeah really 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 massively advise that and we can't obviously control everything but if you can lessen your chances of having physical trauma to have to deal with on the other side then I just think it's a no-brainer what I think about it is we for 40 weeks lather our skin in oil <laughs> in an attempt to help it to stretch without damage yeah you're so right yeah and the one area that we need to stretch in order to allow our baby to safely exit exactly we ignore exactly <laughs> exactly it's so true if there was one area that you should be putting oil and massage into it is your parenting this is it exactly as women we need to get better at getting you know more confident in doing what our body needs for itself and perineum massage before birth has been so proven to be so beneficial um, and i would much rather feel a bit squeamish doing perineum massage beforehand than have to have frequent visits because yeah. of a terrible tear oh a hundred percent yeah i could not agree more and that's thing if you are a bit squeamish and hate the thought then it is a good time now to try to lessen that and just try to practice and kind of get a bit more comfortable with that area of your body because i think as well just we're in society just never ever taught really about self-care and especially about our vulva and vaginas like nobody tells us to be checking them or looking at them or you know like the amount of women that I meet who have never looked at their vagina or vulva before is I would say that's more so the norm compared to women who do self-inspect and who are more comfortable um, but there's so much benefits to be gained by even just because that's the other thing as well I see a lot of women who are distressed by how everything looks after having had a baby and then I'll say to them well how did it look before and they have no idea mm. so they never really looked before and then you know we kind of like delve a bit deeper in terms of their thoughts and stuff and it turns out they're comparing what they can see with a pre-made conception of what a vulva should look like mm. you know whereas actually if we yeah I really recommend it take a few minutes everyone look at your vulva <laughs> look at your vagina and just see what's going on because I think it well I know that it will be so so beneficial um anyway we digress um so. no, it's a really important conversation to have and i'm so happy that we are because it is where literally birth is going to happen mm -hmm. and the more we can do to to prepare ourselves to not be ashamed of our bodies to celebrate our bodies to be empowered at the fact that you know this is birth yeah this is where it happens and we need to not feel like we can't talk about it exactly, or to know enough about it. You know, it's an incredibly powerful part of our body and it deserves a whole lot more attention than we give it. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, and then going back to what you were saying, sorry about what will I be doing postnatally? Yes. So I no matter what happens because obviously we can be as prepared as we like but we never quite know what's going to happen I will definitely be doing some I've got myself one of those peri bottle things you know like you can squeeze water all over your all over your bits 
yeah um, in case there's any tears and even if there aren't any tears I'm still expecting pain and discomfort mm -hmm. you know like it's as you well know there'll be a whole lot going on down there um yeah it's it and it has suffered a trauma it is it's it's very swollen it's inflamed um you know that first time that you have to go for a wee afterwards you're terrified of how it's going to feel yeah um yeah and for and certainly if there is damage and there is tears or stitches you know it's stingy mm. you know there's yeah. so anything that can reduce that that pain is incredibly important yeah i've actually been very organized and i've bought some of those perineal cold packs yeah they're great yeah so they they're like maternity pads but they've got a built-in cold pack in them um, so I've only bought very few. I've bought, I think, five of them or something because, well, I don't know. I feel guilty about, they're probably quite wasteful. Um, but in order to have a bit of kind of like cooling and soothing effect, I'm going to just soak a normal maternity pad in water and put that in the freezer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got some of these posh ones <laughs> for when it's really bad. And then I'll just use kind of normal ones for the rest of the time. Um, but I'll definitely be doing pelvic floor squeezes. So it's just so important to begin as soon as you can within reason to get those muscles kind of connected again. Um, so, and if you've been doing your squeezes in the pregnancy, it definitely will then be easier in theory to connect with them again once you've had your baby. Um, and if you, well, as you will be swollen and sore, even just doing like one or two every time you feed your baby can just really help the healing process. Um, so it's not all about, you know, getting your 10 short, your 10 long done or anything like that at all. It's just about very gentle movement to help circulation, to help shift that swelling away, to help bring new blood to the area and just really help the healing process basically. So I'll definitely be doing those. Um, and I'm really interested to know what my muscles will feel like in my tummy because so many women that I've spoken to say that it just feels so odd and so disconnected and just so like jelly. <laughs> but obviously I haven't experienced that for myself yet. So I'll be really interested to know what my tummy muscles feel like. Although to be honest, in those first four to six weeks, regardless of how it goes, I'm planning on really not doing a lot. Um, like, I'll go for like maybe a short walk if I feel up to it, but I'm not making any plans. I'm not putting any expectations on myself. Um, Cause in those first few weeks, like our body has to, it has to recover. It has to shrink back down again. Things have to knit back together. And I've seen it so many times before that women want to rush back to exercise and getting really active again. And actually, if you do it too quick, it can actually delay the healing process. So yeah i'll be doing pelvic floor squeezes trying to breastfeed because i'm planning on breastfeeding so that'll kind of take my priority in the first few weeks and getting that all set up and that's it really like really 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 not a lot honestly <laughs> and then at what point do you think that women should be looking at what was now kind of coined the the mummy mot you know the yeah. the, the full I suppose analysis as to where you're at physically yeah so I'll be booking in for my postnatal check at about um six to eight weeks so and it's really from that point on 
So, you know, like when women come to me for their check, I'll check their pelvic floor, their tummy, have they still got diastasis, what's their breathing like, what's their movement in terms of their back and everything. Um, so that's really when I'll be looking to do that at around the six to eight week mark, but not before. And so I would advise all women to not get back into exercise before that point. Um, and even if you feel really good, like I would see a lot of women who come in and they don't have any symptoms and they just want to have a check and that's really, really good. You know, proactiveness is great because prevention is always easier than cure. Um, but even if you have a straightforward delivery, you can still get back to doing exercise too quickly. You know, our body has still been through pregnancy. Delivery itself causes massive changes. Like our pelvic floor gets stretched, our tummy muscles get stretched. There's still so much that needs to happen in order for recovery to be efficient. And even if everything has gone really well, as I keep saying, you can still get back too quickly. So I would just try to, yeah, just try and resist too much too soon. So in those first kind of month or two, just pelvic floor squeezes, deep breathing every now and then just to help the diaphragm get moving again, a little bit of walking, but again, long walks can actually put quite a lot of pressure on our pelvic floor. And especially if we're wearing the baby, if you've got a sling or a carrier, which are fab for soothing the babies and the babies love them. Um, but it can be quite a lot for our pelvic floor. So if you're really, 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 really desperate to get back to something, then maybe a bit of very light kind of static bike, if you can handle sitting on a saddle. <laughs> um, but really, you know, there's, yeah, there's not a lot anybody should be doing really in those first in that first month or two and then have a professional assessment see where you're at physically and build up slowly yeah exactly i'd love to see the day like in france for example every single lady who's had a baby will get offered pelvic health physio and they get i think it's up to like eight sessions of physio per birth regardless of what's happened and i just Incredible. think I know, like I'd love to see a day that in the UK and Ireland it is offered as standard, not even eight, just one, <laughs> like yeah. even, even just one check would be amazing for long-term health for all women. Um, so yeah, I, if you're able to, it would be such a good investment in yourself just to even have one check by a physio and then you'll know exactly where you stand and we can let you know if you do have a prolapse, if you're doing the right thing when you squeeze your pelvic floor and we can let you know exactly where you are, like what is your power, what is your endurance and then give you a kind of tailor-made program then in terms of what to do. Um, and depending on what you want to get back to, because some women would be lifting weights, some people want to get back to swimming, some it might be yoga, you know, like depending on what your own exercise goal is, then we can make up a plan for you. I think that's really important advice because we are starting from scratch in some ways and every pregnancy, every body, every birth is completely unique and we get checked so frequently in pregnancy that we, it just falls off a cliff as soon as baby is here. But we, our, our physical form and our emotional and mental form needs to get checked by all manner of professionals in postpartum as well for us to return to our best. 
Definitely. And you know, those two things are so interlinked. There was a study that came out last year, I think, um, at this age, and it said that if we leak urine within the first six weeks of giving birth, it doubles our risk of postnatal depression. Like our physical and mental health are so intertwined and so interlinked. And I think especially in pregnancy and postnatal, we've got so many hormones flying around, we've got so many changes happening. You know, there's nothing not there's nothing that's bigger i guess in terms of change than having a new baby and i just think it's it's so so crucial and the gp check is obviously a bit of a tick box exercise and it's not it's absolutely not having go at the gps i know they're really time poor and a lot of pressure on them and i know they ask about mental health but the gp check isn't enough on its own like we need to be doing yeah a bit more really to help these ladies that have had babies and just support and not even like reaching out when there's a problem but supporting and checking women before a problem even arises completely agree which is why i'm so happy to be able to have this conversation with you because if it empowers one woman to at least go and book that check um and hopefully many many more than one then it was so beneficial Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy that we got to have this very honest conversation with a professional who supports women on a daily basis, or at least did before your maternity leave started, but has dedicated a career to it and is now also experiencing it. So you know what it's like, you know what we need, and I think it's going to make you an even better professional when you return to to clinic yeah oh i hope so thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure and i hope it's been helpful so helpful thank you thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode it really helps our show to grow if you subscribe rate or leave a review share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's expert guest at helen keeble physio on instagram talk to you again next week This series is kindly supported by Water Wipes. Water Wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change to during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, Water Wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum the Podcast.